listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Before we do, though, let me, let me preface what we're going to talk about today. The nine elements that your purpose must have in order to succeed. Before we get there, let me just encourage you. You don't have to be in the ministry to have a purpose. Every believer is called, anointed, and purposed. Paul told them, hey, Jonathan, love you. Um, every believer, in fact, the, the apostle Paul told them in Corinth, and they were in it, they, Admittedly, they were in a very immature church, very immature believers. But Paul reminded them, uh, don't forget that every one of you are a part of the body of Christ. Every one of you are members in particular of the same body. But the point he was making was we don't all do the same thing. And that's important to remember. We don't all do the same thing. You don't do what I do. I don't do what you do. But that doesn't mean that what I do is less important or what you do is less important. All of us are very important to the kingdom of God. And that's why Paul's making those statements. We don't, you know, it's, you can't say, well, you know what? Because I have a mouth, I don't need ears. <laughs> that, that would be a foolish statement. Well, because I have a nose, I don't need eyes. That's stupid. Well, because I have hands, I don't need feet. That's not true. So every part of the body plays a different role and does something that's vitally important uh, in the function of the body. But... It is also very necessary. Every part is very necessary. And so the first thing I want you to put in the comments today is that I am extremely necessary to the body of Christ. Put that in the comments and know it right off the bat. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of that fact. I am extremely necessary to the body of Christ. Must be said, must be understood because it's true. You are extremely necessary to the body of Christ. You're an essential part. God didn't create you and he didn't call you for nothing, for no purpose. You're not just floating through life. You are extremely necessary in the body of Christ. You are very important, very vital in the body of Christ. It's so important you think like this because the devil will work overtime to make you feel like you are unnecessary that you are worthless, pointless, have no purpose. He'll work overtime to talk to you like that, to try to get you to believe it. And you've got to know beyond any shadow of any doubt that you are extremely necessary in the body of Christ. And so uh, if you're going to see your purpose succeed, and if you haven't taken a minute to share it, please do. Um, I'm going to give you nine things that your purpose needs. These are the lifeblood of your purpose in the body of Christ. They are the life blood of your purpose. You've got to see them at work and alive within your own personal purpose. And they're not in any particular order, but I will start obviously uh, with this one, which on my list is number five, but I'm just going to make it number one because I think it's the foundational one. And that is this number one, and I'm going to try to get through all nine of these today. Number one, your purpose must have faith attached to it. Now, you might think that that is uh, extremely elementary, but I have seen so many people that set out to do something for God, but they always want it to be safe. And what I mean by that is they want their purpose or the thing they're called to do to be able to be managed by themselves personally. No risk involved. No faith needed because everything that they're doing, they could do without the help of God. So let me just say this to you. If what you're doing can be done without the help of God, it is not the level of your purpose that you're called into. And I need to make that so clear right off the bat. If what you're doing can be done Without the help, the assistance of God, it is not the level to which you're called to your purpose. It's not. Because if God's not necessary for your purpose, if his divine intervention 
is not necessary for your purpose, it can't be a divine purpose. Because whatever he does through you has to be bigger than you. It has to require his help. It has to require faith. And so the first thing your purpose must have is faith attached to it, right? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let's stop right there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what happens is if your purpose is something that doesn't require God's help, doesn't require divine intervention, then there's no faith attached to it. And if there's no faith attached to it, it's not a divine purpose. It's fleshly. It's something you can do by yourself. That's something a sinner could do. Think about that. If what you are doing is something that doesn't need God's help, it's something a sinner could do. A sinner who has good administrative skills could accomplish the same thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a purpose that takes divine assistance, divine intervention. And when you step into that, you'll know this, because one of the things it does is makes your flesh uncomfortable. It makes your flesh extremely uncomfortable when you're like, man, are you serious? I mean, I, I can remember every step, every step so far of what the Lord's called me to do. I've looked at it and thought, my God, really, Lord, really, Lord, in some cases, and I've dealt with this on the broadcast in some cases, uh, it didn't even make sense to my natural mind. I was like, why would I do that? If this is the direction, what the Lord was telling me to do didn't even make sense to my natural mind. That's okay. It doesn't have to make sense to your natural mind. It doesn't have to make sense to your mind. You can just obey the voice of the spirit, but it has to take faith. It has to take faith. If there's no faith involved, remember this, it is not pleasing to God and it is not something that God has got his hand of blessing on. So number one, and I wanted to get that down first because that's the foundation of every purpose there is. It must have faith attached. What does that look like? Well, it looks like this, like when you step out to do something, you're trying to figure out in your natural mind, how in the world is this going to come to pass? Like how in the world is this going to happen? It looks like it might be impossible. It's like, I, I, I don't know how in the world, I just know I'm supposed to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. I have no way to make it happen. See there, there's where it requires faith in my flesh. I have no way to make it happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm just going to step out and obey what the Lord tells me to do because I don't know how in the world this is going to come to pass. And even your flesh will be like, maybe you shouldn't even do this. You should watch out. You should be careful. You should take a few steps back. That's what the flesh does. Tries to talk you out of what the Lord's called you to do. But you know when it's a God purpose, a divine purpose, because it requires his help. <laughs> it requires his intervention. It requires his mighty hand to make it happen. And so I want to show you this faith is necessary in order for your purpose to thrive, to succeed, to explode without question. But that's number one. Number one, your purpose must have faith. Number two, the second thing your faith or, or your purpose has to have attached to it is stamina. You've got to have stamina when it comes to your purpose. I want to show you a verse of scripture in Galatians chapter six, and it's a, a verse that I'm sure you, you know very well. It's appropriate to repeat it here. Um, the Bible says in uh, the ninth verse of Galatians chapter six, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up stamina, do not grow weary in well-doing, in doing good. If you're on your purpose, love you, Bonnie, have a good appointment. If you're on your purpose, if you're on your calling, it is going, it's, let me just give you this. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Put that in the comments. My purpose is not a sprint. It's a marathon. That's big. 
Because I know there's people, they just want everything to come quick. It's that drive-through mentality. I want to get it right now. I want to have it right now. I want recognition right now. I want success right now. I want all of it right now. And then if it doesn't happen immediately or within the time frame that they decide, then they give up and move on to something else. They give up and move on to something else. And the key is with your purpose, with your calling, it takes stamina. Your purpose is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your life calling. You should plan to be still accomplishing your purpose if Jesus tarries 30 years from now. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so the key is we cannot allow ourselves to grow weary in well-doing. And there's people, they fall into that, they fall into that trap. And the, let me just give you this because now after having been in ministry for 20 years, I can tell you that the enemy does his best to discourage you, to try to make you hang it up, tell you your purpose isn't important, tell you none of it's necessary, tell you you're not accomplishing anything. You might as well just do something else. And he works hard. What is he doing? He's trying to discourage you so that you become weary in well-doing. The Bible commands us not to do that. Don't get weary in well-doing. Stay on it. Stay faithful, consistent. Faithfulness is necessary when it comes to your purpose. Don't quit. Don't quit. Stay on it. Keep doing what the Lord's called you to do. Stamina again and again and again and again and again. Consistency. It's not about passion. It's about consistency. I think this is where a lot of people miss it and they depend. You know, I I read, I was telling you all, I read that book. Um, I don't even think he's a Christian. Maybe he is. I don't, maybe if Tiffany's watching, she could tell me that James Clear guy. I don't even know if he's a Christian. I don't think he is, but he wrote that book, Atomic Habits. And one of the things that, you know, you, you begin to realize is that there are people that'll get really passionate about something and they'll do it for a little while because they're driven by the passion, but then they hang it up. They quit because the passion runs out. What we might call the honeymoon phase runs out on that thing. Oh, so yeah, I didn't think so either, Tiff. And so the honeymoon's uh, portion of that may run out and your passion's gone for the thing. And so there's a lot of people, there's a huge majority of people that start in on something that, you know, they're not, they're no longer doing it because they got tired of it and the passion ran out. But if you quit depending on passion and you depend on discipline, that'll bring the consistency and consistency is what causes you to be successful. Don't grow weary in well-doing. That means we do it when we feel like it. We do it when we don't feel like it. We do it when it's a pro, we do it when it's um, convenient. We do it when it's inconvenient. Doesn't matter. I stay on it. I stay on it. You know, it, it's interesting. Anytime you do something that's extremely consistent, there will be so many times you don't feel, you know, your flesh doesn't always feel like doing what you're called to do. There's times in these revivals, you know, I'm with you guys every morning if possible. But there's times my flesh doesn't feel like uh, preaching every night, laying hands on everybody, having all that virtue leave my body. You wake up in the morning, you're tired. You don't want to get up and study and you don't want to get up and get ready and come. And your flesh doesn't want to come. Oh, I got to go set up, do another broadcast. And it's not because I don't love doing it. It's because your flesh gets tired and your flesh doesn't always want to do what your purpose calls for you to do. But I already gave my word. This is what I'm doing, that this is part of my purpose is coming here and encouraging your faith and teaching you and stirring you up for greater works. And you know, when you do something as uh, consistent as a Monday through Friday broadcast, that's just a small thing, but something as consistent as that, you have to, let me tell you, the passion run ran out, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. It's not, I'm not doing it out of passion. I still have passion. I do it out of discipline and consistency because I said I would. And consistency brings success, consistent to do what's right, consistent to do what's right, consistent to do what's right. See what I mean? And so, and I, I love doing this. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things to be able to talk to you guys and to teach you. And I love the victory tribe with all my heart. I love doing these broadcasts, but what, but you know what I'm talking about. A lot of times your flesh, even when it comes to something like going to church, 
You wake up on Sunday morning after having worked all week and your flesh is like, ah, you could sleep in on one day. And you're like, no, I'm going to do what I know to do is right. I'll be consistent. I'll be faithful. Your purpose requires that. Your purpose requires you to do what you know you should do when other people are uh, resting, sleeping, when other people are quitting. You know, uh, Tiffany and I were talking about this. There was a quote uh, that we saw recently, and I think it was from that, that same book, right, Tiff, where he said that everybody has the same amount of time. You know, people say, well, if I had the kind of time he has, we all have the same kind of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. But uh, anything that we do that's going to cause us to be, uh, to grow, to expand, for our purpose to continue to build, all of those moments that we're going to use to grow to the next level, to do the next thing, they have to be stolen from comfort. I loved that phrase. You have to steal that time from comfort. When other people are sleeping in, you're getting up early. When other people are going to bed, you're staying up and burning the midnight oil. When other people are browsing Netflix, you've got the TV off and you're researching your purpose and you're building your business and you're doing what God's called you to do. All those other things, when others are slacking off, you are pressing in. You're stealing that time from comfort. I'd rather have this time to develop myself and to develop my purpose, be faithful, than I would to waste it on that moment of comfort. I would rather spend my time, rather than browsing Netflix, I would rather be researching what I'm called to do, researching this business God's given me, becoming a better owner, becoming a better, whatever it is. I'm stealing that time from comfort. I'm stealing it from comfort. So I'm, you know, when everybody else has quit for the day, I'm still going. When everybody else is sleeping in, I'm getting up early. I'm going to press in. You know, my wife could tell you. I was talking with Zach about it this morning as we were coming. It's like all the things that need to be done, they can be learned. They can be developed. You know, we're putting a couple, of, we're putting a new system in the office. I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it three days ago. And now I know far more about it than I ever have. It's a system we've never used before. It's a system, a, a system that we bought and that we're installing. I knew nothing about it and, and all the things that go along with it. But now I know a ton about it. Why? Because of an, instead of doing all this other stuff, that's just a waste of time, press in, learn what it takes to build your purpose. You know, my wife could testify if she was listening. I don't know if she's doing it. She's probably doing homeschool, but she could, she could comment and say uh, all the nights where, uh, she's woken up at three in the morning and I'm still on my iPad learning things through tutorials on YouTube or other things. And I'm just pressing in. Because I'm not going to be in the dark. I'm not going to say, well, I wish I knew how to do that. Well, I wish we had the ability to do that. Well, I wish our ministry could have. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to press in. When everybody else is sleeping, I'm still studying. I'm still learning. I'm still pressing in. Why? Because I know that my purpose takes stamina and it takes faithfulness to press in. When everybody else is resting, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep on going. I won't have to live the rest of my life on four and five hours of sleep a night. But I'll tell you what, while I'm young and while I can do it, I'm going to do it with everything I've got. And don't worry. I mean, I rest and everything, but I, I go at it and you've got to go at it. Your purpose requires that kind of stamina and passion that when everybody else is just goofing off, you're pressing in, you're pressing in, you're pressing in, you're pressing in. And it's going to cause you to explode in success in your purpose because you have, you've got that kind of stamina. Let me give you number uh, three. It takes boldness. Your purpose takes boldness. Very important. Your purpose takes boldness. So number one, it takes faith. Number two, it takes stamina. Number three, it takes boldness. There are people that God wants to use, but it takes a spirit of boldness in order to, to, to bring it to pass. You know, I was reading even the apostle Paul's words. I mean, you look at Paul. And you think, well, there's a bold guy. Yeah, he was bold. But do you know he didn't even think he was bold enough? That's how Paul thought. This man who had been beaten, shipwrecked, who had been persecuted heavily for preaching the gospel and kept on going. Here's a man who didn't think he was bold enough. And he asked the church to pray for him. Listen to Ephesians 6, 19. And also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He wanted more boldness. 
that boldness would be granted unto me. Here's a man that is bold, but he's like, I need more. Boldness is required because to step out and to do the things that you're going to be able to do, it's going to take that kind of boldness because faith is one thing. That means you believe God, but faith by itself is worthless. The Bible says James wrote that faith without works is dead being alone. So what is it going to take? It's going to take actions that prove your faith. Those actions are going to take boldness to step out to sign the paperwork, to lease the space, to start the business, to do it. That takes boldness. Whenever, when, you know, in place, well, it's not really the, the time. It's not really the economic time to be doing that. And everybody's the naysayer. And everybody's saying it can't be done and it won't be done. It takes faith, actions, boldness to actually do what you're called to do and succeed at it. God, you know, there was an old, um, there was an old, uh, Oh, if I could remember the phrase now. And it was in Latin. Oh. Was it, was it war? Oh. Hold on. Now that's going to bother me. Let me, let me figure it out. The exact, the exact thing. What's the phrase? Fortune favors the bold. Fortune favors the bold. Not just fortune, it's, it doesn't mean like fortune like you're wealthy. It's talking about fortune like people say, well, he's, he's really lucky. Oh, isn't he so lucky? And then people call you an overnight success after you've blown up. It, yeah, overnight, and I've been preparing this business for seven years. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he, they're an overnight success. And they don't know how long you've been grinding, working, praying, fasting, sowing, giving, everything. And they're oh, there's an overnight success over there. I'm not an overnight success. You're not an overnight success. And when that, that phrase that was in Latin, fortune favors the bold, it's funny how people that are willing to take the steps, people that are willing to put in the work, put in the time, put in the prayer, put in the fasting, people that are willing to sow. It's funny how people always see you succeed and they're like, well, you know, he just has it really good. You know, there's people that'll try to attribute it to luck. (laughs) It's so funny to me. And the whole thing is it's not luck has nothing to do with luck. Fortune favors the bold. What does that mean? It means it's the people that are stepping out and taking actions that see these things come to pass. It takes boldness to bring these things to pass. It takes boldness. And we need that. You know, you're not going to have an overwhelming success in your purpose, in your calling. Deborah, if you go, uh, Deborah said, how do I hear this message from the beginning? If you go to YouTube, uh, I believe you can actually rewind the bar to the beginning of the message on YouTube. And if you've not followed us there, it's just uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Uh, you can find my, my channel just typing in Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and uh, scroll it to the beginning. If not, you can always wait for the podcast to be released and uh, you could listen to it on the audio podcast. But, you know, that phrase, fortune favors the bold, the whole, it's almost tongue in cheek, right? Because it's like, you call it luck, we call it stepping out and taking action until we succeed. We're not stopping till we succeed. And that's the key. And the people of God, that's why the enemy wants to give you a spirit of timidity and fear. Well, what does that do? It makes sure you never step out to do anything. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I've got the boldness to step out because I know who I am. I know who God's created me to be. I refuse to let timidity and fear keep me bottled up to where I don't do what I know I'm called to do. And so number three, we've got to have boldness. Got to have faith, got to have stamina, got to have boldness. Get ready for this one. Number four, got to have thick skin. Your purpose requires thick skin. Uh, One thing I've learned is that any time you begin to pull away from the pack, Let me just get this into your spirit and know it's true. If it's never happened to you, let me break it to you so that you're not discouraged when it does happen. Anytime you pull away from the pack, you become the target of criticism. There you are, Deborah. Anytime you pull away from the pack, you become the target of criticism. Why? Because you pulling away from the pack makes people uncomfortable. It makes people uncomfortable. They don't want to see that. They want you to hang back with them and just be 
ordinary. You know what? They want you to leave the office at five or four fifty nine like they all do. That's what they want. They want you to leave the office. They don't want you putting in overtime and staying there to get extra work done and to push through. They don't want that because then it makes them look like they're not doing because they're not what you're doing. So what do they want? They want everybody to be in the same pack doing the same thing so no one has the spotlight shined on them. They don't want you doing that. I can guarantee you this. The moment you begin to pull away from the pack, oh, starting your own business, are you? I guess you think you're a business owner. You know, there's always somebody that has something to say about what you're doing. Always somebody that's got a little comment about how you're conducting your life and your business and your purpose. You know why? Is because when you step out by faith, it begins to bring insecurity to others that are insecure. They don't like that you're stepping out. They don't want you pulling out from the pack. And so there's going to be stuff said. There's going to be stuff done. Don't let it hurt you. Just develop a thick skin. You know how much stuff I've said, I've had said to me in the ministry in 20 years? (laughs) You know, if I allowed myself to have thin skin and wear my emotions on my sleeve, I'd be done for. I'd be done for. And so there's always going to be somebody running their mouth. I saw, I saw a graphic yesterday. I should steal it and put it on a shirt. It said, if you ran as much as your mouth, you'd be in great shape. <laughs> Uh-oh, we lost, we lost power. Zach, we lost power. We've lost, we've lost the picture. Change the battery pack. I thought we had this camera plugged in. Real grade A ministry we've got going here. Real spirit of excellence. I'm just going to keep teaching audio. If we've lost the video, I'm going to keep on teaching. Just listen to me. Um, Got to have thick skin. If I quit based upon everything people have said to me over the last uh, you know, 20 years, I wouldn't be in the ministry anymore. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing anymore. You know, I'd be done. I'd be doing something else. But the problem is, Dylan, you look great now. Is that actually giving us power or what? No problems there? Now it's great again. Oh. Should we do now? Very weird. Sorry, guys. Dylan said, you look great now. (laughs) I've always, I've always had a face for radio. Anyway, um, If you don't have thick skin, people will discourage you from doing what you're called to do. They will. They'll say stuff without a, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know this is how people are. This is human nature. This is human nature. Somebody pulls away from the pack and they became, they become the focus of criticism from everybody else. Oh, getting a new house. Are you, you can afford that. Oh, you got yourself a Mercedes. Would you lease it? You know, there's always something that, that someone's going to say to try to, to discourage you. Why? Not because of necessarily anything with you. It's them. They're insecure about the fact they're not doing anything. They're insecure about the fact that it's showing that they're lackadaisical in their own disciplines, in their own disciplines. And so you've got to develop a thick skin. You've got to be somebody that doesn't allow words to hurt you. You don't, you can't allow words to discourage you. You know, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, the greatest evangelist that ever lived probably, as far as if we're going by soul count, the man had over uh, 50 some million souls come to Jesus in a span of 10 years in one country, 50 million souls by actual card count. He said something to us at lunch one time, and I'll never, ever forget it. Never for the rest of my life. Dr. Bonnke said, If you don't allow their praise to build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. Think about that. If you don't allow people's praise to build you up, their criticism cannot tear you down, which means that nothing you're doing is for the applause or the praise of men and women. That is a big lesson to learn. I don't allow people's praise to build me up, which what does that mean? It means that my motivation is not uh, increased or decreased by anything anybody may say. 
Baker, I could have a hundred people come to me after the service, but man, that was the greatest message I ever heard in my life. I'll tell you what, you're the greatest preacher I ever heard. This is the great, I don't care if a hundred people came to me and said that after the service, it's not going to make me be any more faithful than I already am. It's not going to make me work any harder than I already do. If, if a hundred people came up to me after the service and said, man, that's the worst preaching I've ever heard. You ought to hang it up and probably get another job. This is not for you. Preaching's not for you. Let me tell you, it wouldn't matter if a hundred people in the church told me that it wouldn't get me pressing in any less than I already do or any more. I just probably would never come back to this church again, <laughs> but it wouldn't stop me from my call. Wouldn't stop me from my purpose because what I'm doing is not based upon the applause of men. It's not based on the approval of men. We need thick skin if we're going to do what God's called us to do. That's number four. So number one, got to have faith, got to have stamina, got to have boldness, got to have thick skin. Number five, you must have spirit sensitivity. That's number five. You got to have spirit sensitivity. There's no purpose that's going to thrive without being led by the spirit. No Christian purpose is going to thrive without being led by the spirit. Because the Holy Ghost wants to show you things ahead of time. He wants to give you instructions ahead of time. He wants to guide you and lead you in every step of your purpose. And if you're flesh based, if you're flesh led and you don't allow yourself to step into spirit sensitivity, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The people of God need to be led by the spirit. And so if you don't have that, you're missing out on the advantage that Christians have when it comes to anything they're called to do. Anything. I've shared the story with you before about Brother Hagin. When the Lord woke him up from a dead sleep and spoke to him that there was going to be a recession coming to America and gave him by the spirit all of the steps he needed to take in order to avoid any damage from the recession. He wrote them down on a pad, went into his office and that day made all of the changes to his ministry. And he said the, the financial recession came and it went and we never felt it one time. He said, in fact, it was during that time that all of the money came in to build the Rama campus cash. When other people were stopping their, their ministry, pulling off of all, all the things that other people were doing because they suffered, they didn't get led by the spirit. They weren't led by the spirit. He didn't feel one part of it, not one ounce of it. They didn't have a recession. They had uh, a progression. They progressed. They went beyond. Why? He was led by the spirit. If your purpose is going to succeed, I told the story last night that I put in the book about fasting, about the man that created um, the blinds, the, the hunting blinds that the Holy Spirit spoke to him in his tree stand. And he went home and began to design what the Holy Spirit showed him. And now he, he, he has his own uh, company, runs it. He's blessed, abundantly blessed. Uh, he's got a philanthropic organization as well. He's blessing uh, people that are in need all through building hunting blinds that the Holy Ghost told him how to make that nobody had ever made before. And he was led by the spirit and it turned his purpose into a multi-million dollar business. And so you can't have a successful purpose in the body of Christ. If you're not spirit led, you got to be, have spirit sensitivity. You know what that means? You're going to have to pray often. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to be in the spirit of God. You're going to have to shut the flesh down and listen to the voice of the Holy spirit. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. That's the key. That's the key. That's number five. Number one, you got to have faith, two, stamina, three, boldness, four, thick skin, five, spirit sensitivity. Let me give you four more before I pray for you today. Number six, you've got to have, and this is a huge one. Dylan said, we built our whole church in the middle of the last recession. That's exactly right. Is that during when the, the housing market crashed, Dylan, in 2008 and after that? And they built, they continued expanding in the midst of recession. Why? You can be spirit led. You can do what the Lord shows you to do so that the natural world doesn't affect you like it affects everybody else. Why? Because you're led by the Holy Ghost. That's a great testimony. 
That's a great test. $4.2 million. And they did it during a time of recession. Number, number six, single mindedness. Put it in the comments. You've got to be single minded. You can't be all over the place and succeed in your purpose. You can't be jack of all trades, master of none, meaning you're focusing on five different things. You got to be single-minded in your purpose. The more specific you can make your purpose, the more uh, advanced you'll be and the further God can take you. Why is that? Because the Bible's very plain in James chapter one, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his or her ways. Don't let that person think they can receive anything from the Lord, not anything. So you can't be double-minded. You have to be single-minded in your purpose. Think about the fact that um, when Elisha was called by Elijah to be his understudy, Elisha took a step of faith that I thought, man, this is supernatural. This is what every person should do. And obviously you're not going to do it exactly like he did. But what was Elisha doing when Elijah found him? He was plowing his father's fields. His father was a wealthy landowner. What is, what is Elisha doing? He's out with the oxen and he's out with the plows and he's out in the fields working. Elijah comes down from the mountain, sees Elisha, calls him into the ministry. Look what Elisha did. Elisha slaughtered the oxen, killed them took the yokes from around their neck, took the wood and burnt it and made a fire and burnt the oxen. (laughs) You know what that means? There ain't no plan B after this, which means Elisha's in the place where if, uh, if prophet ministry doesn't work out, I can't come back to plowing because the oxen are all dead and the plows are all burnt, which means he left himself no plan B. And again, that goes back to faith. But you understand it's single-mindedness. I am going in this direction. You know, I have people, it blows my mind, especially when it comes to ministry. There's people that will get out of Bible school and then they'll start doing six other things when God called them to do ministry. Well, you know, I did this and I'm working in this business part-time and I'm working in this business part-time. I also volunteer at my church a little bit and I know I'm supposed to start a ministry and go out. I just got out of Bible. It's like, stop doing that. God's not going to use a person like that. God's, that's not faith. Step out, no plan B. Go after what God said you're called to do. Go after it, do it. You know, I could have quit early. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not saying this to, to uh, you know, brag on myself or anything, but I, I, have, I have the ability to do whatever I need to do. I could learn anything. I could work in any field. I honest, I mean that. I, I could work in any field. When I first started in the ministry, my first year in ministry with Carolyn, we brought in 6000 and something dollars, like $6,800 for the year. For the year. Our ministry brought in $6,800. You know that, that what's amazing to me looking back? I wasn't discouraged at all. I was excited to be in full-time ministry. Excited. Brought in $6,800. <laughs> and, and like in all honesty... From, from our ministry, we didn't have partners and we barely had meetings and in the meetings, apparently we barely had offerings. (laughs) You think about that, but did I stop? No, there was no plan B. It was like, this is us, man. Let's go. And I thank God for a wife like that because she was all in and she still is. And she always has been, but I'm gonna tell you something. What do you think that feels like to an, an, a person where you're like, okay, just work for 12 months. And what do I have to show for it? $6,800, 6,800. Good Lord. I mean, good Lord. So you begin to realize that the kind of attitude it takes with the purpose that you have is I don't have a plan B. I'm not going back. I'm not doing something else. This is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to do. Nothing's going to discourage me. Nothing's going to push me off my purpose. Nothing. That's right, Leslie. He gives seed to the sower. We walk by faith, not by sight. I kept on walking by faith. I thought, thank God we are in full-time ministry. We are doing what the Lord's called us to do. I couldn't have been happier 
to be traveling and preaching the gospel. I was so happy. Still am. God has never, ever failed us. Ever. Even when we made $6,800, we were still taken care of. We were still blessed. Single-mindedness. I'm not coming off my purpose. You realize that. I'm not coming off my purpose. I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do. Hallelujah. Number seven. This is a big one as well. Your purpose requires urgency, time sensitivity. Number seven, it requires urgency, time sensitivity. Urgency, time sensitivity. What do I mean by that? That you can't, for lack of a better term, dilly-dally. You can't sit around and just goof off and say, oh, one of these days we're going to get this thing going. No, it's, there's urgency attached to your purpose. It's a time-sensitive purpose. You can't goof off. I've had people come to me in meetings. I've told you this. People stop me at the altar after a church service and say, hey, would you pray for me? Yeah, sure. How would you like me to pray? Well, you know, the Lord spoke to me and called me to to preach and be in the ministry 22 years ago. And I'm just believing that he'll bring that to pass. 22 years ago. What in the world have you been doing for two decades that you've not even begun to accomplish what God's called you to do? See, people think that the, you can't treat your purpose like a suggestion. You can't treat your purpose like it's just a, some little side thought that one of these days it'll come. No, you got to attack it with everything you have, with urgency, knowing it's time sensitive. And I've told some people, you may, might as well not worry about it. God's probably raised other people up by now. Because remember this, God is asking you to complete a task. And that task is time sensitive. What did those people miss out on not doing what God called them to do for 22 years? Which, which people may not have gotten saved because they didn't obey the voice of the Lord and get started? What people may have died without hearing the gospel because they didn't get started? Your purpose is urgent. It's important. It's time sensitive. Jesus told his disciples in John 9 and verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent us while it's yet day for the night is coming where no man can work. Don't treat your purpose as though you can just do it whenever you feel like it. It's urgent. It's time sensitive. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming and it's time to get to work. It's time to do what you're called to do. Don't delay. Don't put it off till next. You know, well, maybe in 2023, I'll get started. Maybe in 2024. No, start immediately. Start where you're at. And don't despise the day of small beginnings. If you're faithful over a little, he'll make you a ruler over much. And so don't ever be the person that says, well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal. If God's called you to do it, it's time to step out and do it. My father said in the comments, how long before we miss it? How long is it before we miss it? How long is it before, you know what? Because think about it this way. What if it was somebody, like for, for me, I had work that I needed to have done at my house. You know, I've got a wall that, that, that's busted, drywall busted, and I need a company to come and put in a new wall or whatever it might be. Plumbing that needs to be done. If I call a plumbing company and they say, sure, we're going we're gonna to come, we'll get around to it. If I'm waiting there three days with busted plumbing, you better believe I'm going to call another. It's not going to take me three days. You better believe I'm going to call another company to come do the work which means the first company's losing out on the work because it's about the task. It's not about what they're doing. It's like, yes, they're plumbers, but you're goofing off. That's why I'm calling somebody else. I'm not, kind of, I'm not paying you. I'm going to pay somebody else because you're goofing off. So, well, we'll get around to it. No, there's a task that needs to be done. God has tasks that he wants to be accomplished. He's looking for the people that'll accomplish the tasks. And if somebody won't do it, God will find somebody else who will accomplish the task. We're just servants of the most high God. He's the one with the agenda. We are called to carry out the agenda. You see what I mean? And so we have to have an urgency, a time sensitivity in our purpose to have it succeed. That's number seven. Number eight, big one for many people. Your purpose needs relationship editing, needs relationship editing. Because there are people who literally try to attach themselves to you that will do everything in their power to slow you down. Not many times, not even because they mean to, it's because they themselves 
are not submitted to the voice of God, the word of God, the plan of God. And so if you attach yourself to their life, if you attach yourself to that relationship, it's not going to help you in what you're called to do. It's going to harm you in what you're called to do. No question. Doesn't matter that Delilah was beautiful. Do you think she was an asset to Samson's ministry? Or do you think she was a detriment to Samson's ministry? Everything can look great on the outside. I'm sh- she was very beautiful, the Bible says. He was taken with her. He was blown away. He loved to spend time with her, loved to hang with her. He loved her, wanted to be with her all the time. Doesn't mean anything. She was not an asset to his ministry. She was a detriment. She destroyed his ministry because he couldn't edit his relationships. You need relationship editing in your life if your purpose is going to succeed. I don't have time to just hang out with anybody. I don't have time to be friends with everybody. I can't let every person into my circle. I can't. I can't. What I'm doing for God requires me to have proper relationships with faith-filled people. And I've seen too many people fail because they won't do any relationship editing. I've watched it. I've watched it happen multiple times. People keep on hanging with the same bums. I've, I just talked to somebody yesterday and I said, there's a couple of, there's a guy that I, I, I have been in contact with. I've talked to him. I've eaten with him. I've spent time with him. I said, not anymore though. I said, I'm done with him. I was telling this to somebody yesterday. I said, I'm to- I love him. God bless him. Hope, hope he does well, but I'm done. I'm done with him because I watched actions that he took where he basically turned his back on what he was called to do, to do something lesser. And, and f- so flippantly treated the call of God on his life. I just made up my mind. I can't, I don't have the time in my life to, to make those people my friends. God bless them. I mean, I hope they do well. I hope he's blessed, but I don't have time. I've watched the actions. I, you'll know them by their fruit. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. And you're the same. You don't have to. You don't have the time to, to, to fulfill every relationship and to spend time with every person. You don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. If you're going to accomplish your purpose, you better have the right people in your life. Imagine if the man on the mat who was paralyzed had four friends that didn't even believe in miracles. You think they're picking up his mat and taking him to where Jesus is to get a miracle? You think they're climbing up on the roof? You think they're tearing the roof off? You think they're lowering him down in front of Jesus? Not if he's got four friends that don't believe in miracles. Not if he's got four naysayers. Well, you need to just quit hoping for that. You're in an impossible situation. You're paralyzed. You better check who your relationships are. You better do some relationship editing. And you know what? The, I'm going to say this because it needs to be said. You know what one of the number one reasons people don't do relationship editing is? Is because they've how long they've had the relationships. Well, you know, I've been friends with them since high school. Who cares? They've, they've clearly shown that they don't care whatsoever about the call of God, the word of God. There's people that will keep these people in their lives. They don't even go to church. They don't even serve the Lord. But you know, I have known him since middle school. Who cares? Who cares? Let the dead bury their dead and you follow the Lord. It's like, well, you know, we spend time together every week because, you know, he's been my friend for a long time. And, you know, I know he doesn't serve the Lord. And, you know, I know, I know he does. Who cares? Do you think that little of your purpose in your life and your family that you just flippant with who you allow into your life? You're just that flippant. I mean, that's insane. You need to do some relationship editing. You know, I need, I need iron in my life as iron. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 27, 17. I don't need people dulling my blade. I need people sharpening my blade in my life. So I don't mess with people. There's there. Yeah. As Ed said, they're just such nice people. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter. God bless them. They're nice. I don't have time for everybody. I'm guarding, you know, the reason people do that and allow people to waste their time and allow people to, you know, speak doubt into their life is because they don't even value their own calling. They don't even value their own life. 
So they don't guard it because they don't value it. They don't think it's important. That's why I'm preaching this to you today. You've got to know it's important. You've got to know your calling is valuable. You've got to know your purpose is valuable. Separate yourself from unbelief. Separate yourself from wickedness. You know, there's people, we helped people. You know, there was a time that Carolyn had some, uh, you know, she had some, uh, you know, kind of like distant relations that were her family that were, they were in need of some help. Uh, they, they, they were coming town. They needed help. They didn't have anywhere to stay, whatever. And, um, you know, but you know what? I lay the laws down in my house. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So people don't just come into my house and do whatever they want. I let them know very clearly what they would be doing, what they wouldn't be doing. Cause they didn't live like we live. And so, you know, if you're going to be a drinker, go be a drinker somewhere else. You're not be, you're not filling my refrigerator with booze. So, well, you know, you're not drinking. Yeah. And ne- neither are you in my house. You take control because you know what's important. You set parameters and boundaries because you know what's important. My house is a house of prayer. My house is a house of purity. My house is a house of the anointing of God. My refrigerator is not going to be storing alcohol for somebody else. You understand the point I'm making? And so even, yeah, I'll help you for a short period of time, but I'm going to tell you something. I also run the household in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And if you don't like it, get a hotel. You've got your terms. There's the terms. If you don't like the way I run my household, then pay your own money and get a hotel. Because we please the Lord in this house. You ain't coming to my house and swearing and dropping F-bombs and doing everything you want. That's not my house. You're not coming to my house and messing around. That's not in my house. I guard my family. I guard my life. I guard my relationships. Because I want everything that's in my life to push me towards what I'm called to do, to succeed in what I'm called to do. Let me give you the last one. Finally, the final thing that your purpose, that your calling will always require in order to succeed is the provision it takes to succeed. You need the provision of God for your purpose to succeed. You know, there'd be a problem if I was 20 years into the ministry today speaking to you on this broadcast and I was still bringing in $6,800 a year. That would be a massive problem, a, a massive problem. Your purpose requires provision. I'd be in bad shape if we never saw the increase of God on this ministry. We could never be on television like we are. We could never have staff like we do. All the things we're doing, we couldn't have the building that we have. None of the things God's put in our hand could we have if we didn't have the provision to run this ministry. And so growth is necessary, but provision has to be there if you're going to see any kind of growth in your, in your calling, in your purpose, any kind at all, which means, and I learned the lesson that you have to be focused on not what's coming in, not what you're expecting, but what's going out. I had to make up my mind. I'm going to be the person who focuses not on what's coming in, but what's going out. What do I mean? I'm not sitting around praying that God would, uh, you know, send harvests. What am I praying? God would send seeds, put seeds in my hand, put seeds in my hand that I could sow the largest seeds into the kingdom. Jen said, if someone came to dinner and brought, and brought alcohol, what would you say? I don't have dinner with people that drink. So that, that, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't even have, I don't make friends with people that drink. I I mean, it wouldn't happen to me because I don't go to dinner with people that are drinking alcohol. And I'd excuse myself because the Bible says to avoid even the very appearance of evil. So I don't want anybody walking by the table and seeing, well, you know, there's, there's evangelist Ted and they've got a bottle of wine on the table. He must be drinking it up over there. I'm not, I didn't have one drink, but the people sitting there ordered wine. That's why I don't have friends. So I'm talking about relationship editing. I think it's important as a Christian not to drink. I know everybody doesn't feel that way. I do. I hold myself to a standard. And so if you don't feel that way, God bless you. But we, we're not having dinner. I'm not going out with people that are drinking. I'm not going to the bar, sitting to the bar and yeah, hammer, hammer a couple of shots of wild turkey while we get our hamburgers. I don't have friends like that. I don't have friends like that. And so I, I don't have to deal with it. That's what I'm talking. That's why I'm talking about relationship editing. 
If you've got people that are going in the opposite direction you're going, why are you still connected to them? Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Matt Costa said, if it's a family member, you set the tone. They'll already know. I can't bring drinks to their house. I can't bring weed to their house. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so I just tell them, you know, now I understand you can't control everybody. And there's, it's a, there, obviously it's different. If you're at the, she said, my dad, my father-in-law, it's different. Obviously if you're at their house and they invite you over to dinner and you know, that's who they're, but like, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not, especially as a minister, and of course, Bible teaches that ministers are, he- are held to a higher standard. Ministers are held to a higher standard. So if I go out, you better believe that I'm doing everything I can to avoid even the appearance of evil. Not sitting at, I would, if I was out with a bunch of ministers and they started ordering a bottle of wine, bottles of wine to the table, you better believe I'd be excusing myself and heading back to the hotel. I'm not sticking around for it. And then you can also believe that I won't be going to dinner with them again. I know not everybody holds this conviction and that, and it's proven by the fact that we've got ministers that are, they're out getting drunk and doing whatever they want to do. But I can tell you this, if I was, let's say for example, I was at some conference somewhere or something, which I don't even really do those anymore, but let's say I was at some conference and, uh, you know, after, afterward, all the ministers from the conference went out to, to a restaurant and a couple of the ministers ordered wine to the table. Well, God bless you guys. I got to get back to the hotel. It's late. I'm gone. I'm not sitting there with those bozos as they sit there and sip their wine. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I know that's a whole nother broadcast, but I'm not doing it. I'm holding myself to a higher standard. Absolutely. Got a book coming out on that too. I just don't have a release date. Your, your provision, your provision is necessary for your purpose. So what's my prayer? My prayer is the Lord put the biggest seeds in my hand I've ever sowed so that as that goes out, my provision will always be there. And I'm telling you, we've, we've blown ourselves away. I mean, God has blown us away because I know the Bible says he gives seed to the sower, but I mean, he has put seed in our hand that has just been next level. Matt said, I had lunch with a pastor and a waitress brought them a bottle of root beer. He asked her to put it into a glass. He didn't even want people to walk by and just glance and think it was a bottle of beer. And so I'm, I'm believing God, Lord, Lord, and he has done it every single year. And you know, my goal, I've, I share it readily with you on the broadcast. Lord, let us give more. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at, Jen. I would suggest I wouldn't have dinner with people if they were drinking in a public place and have somebody go by and, and say, I, I wouldn't do that. You have to do, you have to do what the Lord convicts you to do. I wouldn't do it personally. I would not do it because I know what, what standard I'm holding myself to. And you know, if I've got kids, I don't want my kids seeing that I'm okay with people drinking because I don't want my kids drinking. The reason I don't let people put alcohol in my refrigerator, I don't want my kids to ever look in the refrigerator and see alcohol in there. I don't want them to even know it because I don't want my kids coming up that way. Well, you know, it's just something the family does sometimes. You know, granddad likes his beer. Not in my house. You can do it at your own house, but my kids aren't going to sit around and watch you drink. And that's just kind of where I'm at. And I understand that it can bring family tension. We're setting standards for the next generation. But I've already told you, the provision has blown my mind, but the seeds have blown my mind. And every year the Lord's answered my prayer. Lord, let us sow more into your kingdom this year than we have ever before. And Lord, let us sow the largest one-time seeds into your kingdom than we've ever sown before. Let the largest one-time offerings leave our hands this year. And then when next year comes, let the largest one-time offering leave our hand next year and the year after. And he's been faithful Every year of my life to bring that prayer to pass. Every year of my life, he's brought that to pass. And I'm just telling you, he's been faithful. He'll do the same for you. He will do the exact same thing for you because the Bible says he will. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
And as you're believing for God to take your purpose to the next level, what are we confessing at the end of this year? Wonders. God will perform wonders at the end of 2021. And then we're stepping into 2022, a year of divine possession. We will possess what God said is ours. We will possess what God said is ours in Jesus' mighty name. Things we've never possessed, things we've never held in our hand, we will hold in our hand in 2022. We will take ground for the kingdom. You'll have things you've never even thought you'd have. It's going to come into your hand. I'm, I'm telling you, put your faith there now before we ever get to 2022. Put your faith there now and get ready for what God's about to accomplish in you and in me. It's going to be supernatural. I want to pray for you. You're important. You're important. Your, your purpose is vital. It's essential. It's important to the body of Christ. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Don't ever get to the place where you, you say, well, you know, maybe, maybe I, what I'm doing is really not making any difference. It's making a difference. Don't get weary in well-doing. Press in. Be faithful. Stamina. By the power of God. Father, I pray. Speak to every one of us today. Give us that boldness. Give us that strength. Let us press in like we never have. Give us the thick skin and the spirit. Let us be led by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that our purposes would explode at the end of this year. We're not slowing down like the rest of the world, gearing up for just holidays where we don't accomplish. No, we'll enjoy our holidays, but in the midst of wonders. As you're doing supernatural things that nobody has ever seen before, that's going to be our story. Use us, Lord, in these final moments of time. Put the biggest seeds in our hand we've ever sown into your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for that. We give you honor and we give you glory for that in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you that challenge today to sow that kind of a seed. If you're believing, let me tell you, it's not going to be the insignificant things. It's not going to be the insignificant things that break you through. I was laughing, watching some uh, <laughs> conference at a, a church, a well-known church. You'd know it if I said it. And somebody got up on the platform and started encouraging the people to sow a, a, a destiny breakthrough offering of $50, which made me just, I, I busted out laughing in the room watching that, thinking to myself, there's no such thing as a destiny breakthrough offering $50 for the majority of people. I realize there's a, a select few people that that still takes a lot of like mountain moving faith for them to do. But that's, those people are so few and far between when you realize that's not even the tithe on a welfare check that it blew my mind. It's not going to be the insignificant things. It's going to be the significant seeds that move the hand of God. It's going to be, that's what's going to cause destinies to shake. That's what's going to cause purpose to go through the roof is when you're sowing stuff that makes your flesh uncomfortable. And so I'm challenging you today. It is a challenge. Tell your flesh, get behind me. I'm doing what the spirit of God tells me to do. Pray and ask him, what can I do today that will put me in position for wonders financially, for my own purpose, my own calling before the year comes to an end? Ask him and he'll tell you to sow your seed, miracleword.com, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Zell, hashtag donate, cryptocurrency, however you'd like to do it. Sow your seed and do what the Lord's telling you to do. Step out by faith and watch what God will do for you before this year comes to an end. Watch what he'll do. It'll blow your mind. It will absolutely blow your mind. Get ready for it. Don't forget Carolyn's live at two o'clock. For everybody that's sowing today, by the way, uh, and this month is coming to an end, October. I can't believe it. It's coming to an end. But we've got this book by E.W. Kenyon, Jesus the Healer, a powerful book. This man of God understood the revelation that God gave Paul very well. Pauline revelation, the in Christ revelation. And his books will build your faith. They'll build your faith. And this is our gift to you. Uh, for the month of October. If you'd like to get it, go to uh, miracleword.com forward slash offer and, uh, and fill out the form. We'll send it to you. Faith said, I watched Pastor Stephen Furtick on Sunday, felt the movement of the Holy Ghost. I know Southern Baptist is something sometimes you say. I don't think they are Southern Baptist faith. I don't think Elevation Church is Southern Baptist. He went to uh, a, 
I think he went to a, a reformed university. He got saved in a Methodist church, but I don't necessarily think the church is, is in the Southern Baptist convention. I mean, he wouldn't be with the people that he associates with because he, he associates with Holy Ghost filled people that they would never associate with. You know, if he was in the Southern Baptist convention, I don't think they would allow him to associate with T.D. Jakes or Jensen Franklin or any, anybody like that. Pentecostal tongue-talking people. I don't think that would be. So I don't think they are. And I think he has already said publicly that he is filled with the Holy Spirit and does speak in tongues. I've heard him say it from the pulpit. And um, so, you know, and, and they're, uh, they're even their worship. You know, when you hear that song, who, who, who said that? Uh, is it Rattle, the, the song they do? Pentecostal fire flows in my veins too. Southern Baptists don't sing that. <laughs> they don't sing about Pentecostal fire flowing in their veins. So I, I don't think they are Southern Baptists. Love you, Jay. Thank you. And thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds today. Uh, love you guys very much. I love being with you every day. I love the Victory Tribe. By the way, if you've not gotten a chance to get a Victory Tribe hoodie, they're, be, they're selling out. And so there are some left. Some sizes are gone. Jump on the shop and see if your size is still available. Grab one before they're gone. Uh, and we've got a, got a few other things. I think they're just independent faith. I think they're just independent. I don't think that they're a part of a denomination. I think they just are what they are. And they do their thing. So I have friends that work there. And they tell me there's people there on staff that speak in tongues and are fully Holy Ghost filled. So, um, Jay, I want you to sow a $5 breakthrough Taco Bell offering to my personal PayPal. $5.13. I believe that if you'll do it, there's a chalupa in my destiny. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Tonight is the final scheduled night of this revival uh, here in Ontario, Ohio, Abundant Life Church. We're here with Pastor David Rensel and his family. It's been great. Love these people. They're precious people. And um, it's, been, it's been a wonderful meeting. Uh, we have a few more things coming up before the year's over. Uh, don't forget the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend uh, is coming up November the 12th, Friday night. We want to see you there in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Partners will see you at the hotel on Saturday for lunch. It's going to be great. And uh, after Thanksgiving... On top of that, we're going to be in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. Uh, we're scheduled there Sunday through Wednesday. All the details are on the website. I want to see you. Uh, get there. It's going to be great. I love you guys so much. I'll talk to you again very soon. And uh, I hope you have a powerful and a blessed day. I really hope this turns into a book very soon. I've got all the notes, but no promises. Jenna, if you're listening. Tiffany, if you're listening. Carolyn, if you're listening. No promises. I'm not making any announcements. No promises. I love you. Don't forget, new kids video is out today. New download for the kids out today on Peter, teaching the character series on Peter, the new last gen podcast episode out today, answering commonly asked questions about speaking in tongues, tongues, go and grab it. Uh, it'll bless you guys a lot. Have a blessed and a powerful day. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.